This is more than my life story. It's more than a podcast. More than a coming out. More story. than a tra- more than a journey of self. More than a story about more than a chance. More than a more than a desperate more than a parent. More than an opportunity. More than a decent. More than a boy becoming a girl. This is more than Mimi. You're listening to episode two. More than changes. Kono bangumi wa goran no sponsor no tekyo de okurishimasu. And check out patreon.com slash more than Mimi to find out what Mimi's doing next and give her your support for projects like this. And be sure to keep up with her on Instagram and YouTube for even more fun posts and videos. See you there. First, more than changes. Mimi had yet to reach her final form or even display the most minor of changes, really. Most notably, she had lost a little weight, which was a good start to the transition, from 225 pounds down to 210, and still plummeting. Her skin was a fair deal smoother now, and her hair longer than ever. Still barely reached down past her giant, protruding chin, barely enough to put into a ponytail. But the changes were coming, extremely slowly. And boy, did her nipples hurt. She was approaching six months on her female hormones, a wonderfully turbulent time in any trans woman's chest. Uh, According to an informational pamphlet she'd once read in a parking lot outside of a Planned Parenthood, when the breast tissue begins to develop, it starts right under the nip. Knowing that breast growth has started is probably one of the most euphoric feelings a trans woman can experience, even if it did come with an acute pain in her nips every time she went up or down a flight of stairs. Any and all pain was worth it. More than that, though, some pain was to be expected. Physical pain and emotional pain. Mimi absorbed it all like a sponge. It was time to start thinking about bras. Mimi had a loose collection of assorted women's garments. Ones that she'd received from her wife, ex-wife, whatever. None of them really fit her correctly and probably never would. Mimi's entire wardrobe needed a massive overhaul. She decided after coming out to her family, she would start to dress more feminine. Finally. Slowly get them all used to that. Used to her. Hope that they would start to call her by the correct pronouns eventually. Though she had yet to settle on a new name for them to call her. Should she ask to be called Megan? Or Mary Jane? Maybe Matilda? That was a fun movie. Remember that one? The movie that featured 90s girl actor icon Mara Wilson. Oh, maybe Mara! The sad reality that Mimi faced was that she still didn't look like a woman. Not passing for your gender sucks. It really does. No one feels like they should treat you the way you want to be treated. People get in your face with their stupid wrong opinions. Casual misgendering is a public nuisance. And as we previously discussed, Mimi was going to change absolutely everything about herself until she was an entirely new, entirely different person. No more m- Oh, sorry. I'm still doing that. Get used to it. Interior. Mimi's bedroom. Mimi stomps across her bedroom floor, hauling a half-full black garbage bag. She plops the bag down on the rug and opens the top drawer of her bedroom dresser begins pulling out various articles of clothing. She has too many XL and L-sized shirts and pants, giant underwear and shorts. She could easily produce a parachute or a matching bed set from had she the seamstress skills to do so. She kept most of the M sizes since they fit her rapidly shrinking body the best, but she still didn't possess enough feminine articles to replace her all-male apparel. Not just yet. Those baggy hoodies and jeans had never been so important. She continues to open drawers and sort through clothes, tossing unwanted items into the garbage bag until it was full. As she goes, her phone says that her sister is calling. Mimi answers. Mimi, hey sis, Marin. Sister, what's shaking in your world? In your female world, huh? Girl world? Because you're a girl, sister, now, eh? Mimi, I love you, sis, but sometimes you overcorrect. Marin, I'm just getting more used to it myself. Really leaning into your new identity, you know? Just showing my support, sis. Mimi, almost cries. Thank you, Marin. So, what you up to today? Mimi, I'm going through my old man clothes and thinning them out. (laughs) Trying to replace everything in my dresser and closet is (laughs) no easy task. 
Marin, you got a few things from Abby, right? And I'm certainly going to be putting together a big bag of stuff for you to try on. Mimi, yeah, she did give me a few things that she didn't want anymore. And I got a few bras and some panties, none of which really fit me very comfortably. It's a pretty big change my body's going through. Marin, well, those pics you sent me look good, so keep it up. Mimi mentally flashes through a handful of photos of herself dressed en femme that she'd sent to her sister over the past week. She knew they did not, in fact, look good. Mimi, I will keep it up. Have you heard anything from anyone yet? Marin, like, in our family? Yeah, you know, actually, I talked to Dad a little bit this morning, and he's surprisingly cool with everything. Mimi, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, back it up. He's cool with my transition? Like, he understands and supports it? Marin, well, I only spoke to him briefly about it, and to be fair, he did focus more on the divorce aspect of it. But he's an attorney, so we kind of expected that he would. Mimi, sure, okay, but what did he say about my gender change? Marin, nothing bad. He was like, I don't know anything about it, but if that's what he wants to do, then I wish him well. Mimi, okay, that's kind of a non-answer, but sort of an okay response for now, I guess. Marin, yeah, the important thing is that he cares about you and he wants you to be happy. He just doesn't really know how to do that yet. But he definitely has legal advice for you concerning your divorce, given what he and mom went through. Mimi, right, right. Mimi suppresses memories of her parents from childhood. Mimi, well, I was thinking about coming down for a visit soon. There's a good chance I'll see him and he can talk my head off about it then. Marin, Please, do. We need to hang out more. It sucks we live so far apart, but on the plus side, without Abby and the kids, it's a slightly easier trip to make, right? Mimi. Mmm. Now there's a benefit. Any word from Millard yet? Millard. Mimi's eldest brother. The oldest of four. Married. With three young boys. Marin. Not really. I did get a text from Tronda, though, asking if you were serious or joking with us. Tronda. Wife of Millard. Mother of three boys. And that is all. Mimi. It really doesn't surprise me that they just have no f***ing clue how to deal with this. Next. More than brothers. As far as blood relations go, Mimi had two older brothers to go with her younger sister. Each of them had spouses. Mimi's in-laws. She was the middle child out of four. And while she could count on her bio sister for every type of support going forward, her two brothers were more of a mystery project. The aforementioned Millard, the eldest, two years younger than he was brother number two, Maynard, the previous owner of the title of black sheep of the family. Maynard was the only sibling that had relocated outside of their home state of Minnesota. Go Vikes! So, what's important to know about Mimi's brothers is this. Both were, at one or more points in their lives, recovering from addiction. Addiction to alcohol and addiction to some other substances as well. In a few instances, it was even a life-threatening type of situation. Mimi had feared for both of their lives at some point or another. Addiction was in her family blood, apparently. At least she could confirm and trace it back as far as her great-grandpa on her dad's side, her dad's dad. Some believe it's genetic. Others argue that notion. Mimi didn't know much about it, really. She only experienced it in her childhood growing up through her family, her brothers, and her father. Mimi came to view addiction as a sort of extension or upgrade to obsession, a concept she was rapidly becoming attached to. They're quite similar, addiction and obsession. Both tended to rapidly spiral out of control and end up doing serious harm to people. She'd been experiencing the harms of alcohol addiction secondhand since childhood. Suppressing memories. Not now. Her brothers had unfortunately inherited addiction from their father. Mimi was keenly aware of this growing up. She saw what it did to them. She studied the effects, took note of how powerful a force alcohol consumption could be when taking hold in some watched it develop not only in her family members, but in her friends and classmates as she grew up and went through the public school system. Addiction is a powerful force and not one to be trifled with. Mimi made it a personal goal to not allow herself to ever become too strongly attached to any one thing or concept. She would not allow herself to succumb to addiction. 
She'd avoid it at all costs. But she would have a hell of a time discovering the many differences between addiction and obsession. We'll have to get into that later. For now, let's try to access one of Mimi's memories, shall we? Something about her brothers, perhaps. Come on, just a quick peek. Nothing too deep. What do you say? Let's go. Now accessing Mimi's memories. It seems a memory has been found. Shall I play it? Of course. Here we go. Dialing in. Beep, beep, boop, 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 boop. The year is 1996. Mimi is a small boy, age approximately nine. The setting is coming into focus. She's at home, at her parents' place. This log cabin-style, custom-built house located deep within a privately-owned vast network of tall pine trees that made up the family forest planted by Mimi's grandpa over 50 years ago. Absolutely gorgeous location, surrounded by nature. So many animals and lakes and forests to explore. The memory continues. She's playing outside for once in the driveway with her older brothers. There's like four or five dogs running loose, at least. A few cats. I think I hear a goat bleeding from far off. Yes, it was downright zoo-like, the conditions she was raised in. Good times. Her brothers were into BMX bikes, and racing in particular was their favorite pastime. Many a weekend was spent attending BMX races in the various surrounding communities. God, the 90s were rad. Her brothers worked on their bicycles while Mimi played with a turtle that she'd found on the road and relocated to a giant outdoor metal tank that her mom used to keep on site for various purposes. I don't think she'd intended for it to house turtles or the frogs or other accumulated wildlife that Mimi placed inside of it, however. She made a habit of turning the many durable containers and tanks and cages into makeshift habitats and terrariums. Her brothers are making a big deal out of their chromies. Now, chances are you, my dear listener, just thought to yourself this question. What the hell did she say? What is a chromie? And you would not be wrong for questioning that. Chromies are what we call the decorative cap that went on a bike tire. Or sometimes, if you were really cool and also an adult with a car, you could put them on your car tires. Usually taking the form of a shiny metal cap, although sometimes they got really cool with them and made skulls or transparent dice, the dice variety in particular became the most popular. All the cool kids in the BMX scene had their bike tires decked with chromies. And currently, Millard and Maynard seem to be arguing about which one of them gets the shiny skull chromie to equip on their bicycle. You know, pretty typical kid stuff. Hmm, it seems like this is already turning out to be a pretty stupid memory. Let's skip ahead a little bit and see if any of this crap will pay off. We turn the dial on time ever so slightly, just a few years, to 1998 or 99, somewhere in that range. We see Mimi change into a preteen. A very stick-like, scrawny little boy, the poor thing. They're still in that same home, the log cabin in the woods, but some new stuff is happening. It seems that her parents' divorce is causing some bad behaviors to surface in her brothers. They're acting out in bigger and badder ways as they age up. Mimi has noticed the boys doing several things she's deemed dangerous. Like the night she followed them outside once, only to catch them both smoking a cigarette. She had no idea where they got it from, but what a ghastly sight that was, seeing two teenagers smoking for the first time. Ah yes, the drinking started a little later in both their lives, but it all started with the cigarettes. As far as Mimi knew, anyway. Smoking was definitely a turn-off to her, something she had no interest in developing an addiction to. Oh, okay, here's a good part. Check this out. This was also the time when her parents' divorce was causing the boys to act out in all sorts of ways. They'd gotten into petty theft, even, getting caught stealing things. Small and inexpensive items, but theft nonetheless. Things like those precious chromies I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I'm sure those damn things were actually pretty common to be stolen by immature thieves. Whatever, forget the dumb chromies. Her brothers are blossoming into little thugs. That's their character arc. And young Mimi is watching it all play out, keeping her little queer questioning story arc to herself on the very down low. Her brothers have had a couple run-ins with the law by now, and have done enough damage to cause their mom to panic uproot the family and move away. Yeah, because of her older brothers acting out, the family moved to a different town, about an hour away. Their mother's hometown. Not a far move, but one that would be felt by a young Mimi regardless. It was a new community young Mimi was unfamiliar with, an entirely different setting than what she was used to. She had a bad habit of telling the kids at her new school that she used to live in the woods. 
an issue with her phrasing, which would be explained to her by her best friend that she was fortunate enough to meet during her time there. This incident might just be the point where Mimi's obsession with words began. Anyways, the house they moved into in this different town was the exact opposite of where they were. A smaller house, in town, super outdated. It was actually Mimi's grandpa's old house, last used by him as a primary residence in the late 70s by the look of the orange shag carpets and green-walled bedrooms. Her mom had borrowed the home from Mimi's grandpa after the divorce, even though her mom had made Mimi's dad move out of that house and find a new place. They were just kind of holding on to that old family home right now. It was an unexpectedly weird situation for a year or two, and Mimi couldn't be sure about everything going on behind the scenes involving her parents, their divorce, all of that. <sighs> Not yet. Let's do a different memory instead. Something about her brothers. Okay, tuning in now. Beep, beep, boop, 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 boop. Found something. Interior. Childhood home. Basement rec room. Young Mimi is sitting on a floral pattern couch watching the 13-inch box TV set. Beside the TV sat Mimi's most prized possession. Even though it did not technically belong to her, it belonged to the whole family, that object, gray and shiny, was a brand new Nintendo Entertainment System. Young Mimi watches as her brothers sit on the floor, inches from the TV screen. There's one controller in the hands of the eldest brother, Millard. Brother 2, Maynard, sits next to him, anxiously shouting at the character on screen and at the brother controlling him. Mimi, I want a turn. When will it be my turn? The brothers ignore her. Mimi, can I take my turn yet? Come on, you guys. The brothers ignore her. On screen, Mario dies a thousand times. Millard and Maynard exchange the controller several times between themselves. The brothers yell at each other, hit each other. Mimi, when is it gonna be my turn? A brother hits Mimi real hard in the shoulder. Mimi, ow, I'm telling mom on you. Maynard is screaming bloody murder because Mario won't stop jumping into the small pit on the first level. Or the walking mushrooms are too fast. There's always an excuse accompanied by an outburst. The brothers look like they're ready for a break. The small rectangular gaming controller is finally handed to Mimi. She experiences the first couple seconds of Super Mario Bros. for the first time. A lifelong obsession with video gaming commences. Mimi, how do I jump? She presses buttons until Mario does what she wants. Mimi, where do I go? The brothers are wrestling on the floor now over something one of them said to the other. Mimi wasn't paying attention to them anymore. Mimi, what's that countdown in the corner of the screen? The brothers take a moment to compose themselves and even show a little interest in her query. Maynard, something happens when it counts all the way down. Millard laughs. Mimi is intrigued. Mimi, what happens? The brothers won't say. Mimi grows frustrated as one of the bottomless pits can't be jumped without getting a running start first, something Mimi doesn't know how to do yet in the game. The countdown continues. Mimi, what happens when time runs out? Millard, something. Mimi, Something good? Like, does an extra guy fall out of the sky? The brothers giggle boyishly. Maynard, yep, an extra guy will fall out of the sky. Just keep waiting for it. Mimi waits excitedly at the end of the level. The finish line is in sight. She waits for that counter in the corner to count down, anticipating the mysterious reward. The timer hits zero. Mimi has her eye on the top of the screen. She's confused when Mario suddenly dies and falls off the screen. No enemy mushrooms touched him. Mario hadn't moved. Mimi suddenly realized it was a countdown on life. And it was, so long as she was playing, always counting down. Her young, developing brain struggled to comprehend what just happened, as the older brothers giddily snatched the controller out of young Mimi's hands. Millard, you died, my turn. Mimi watched her brothers play again. She thought about that countdown. Now that she knew what it was... She supposed maybe other things had a countdown going as well. Except most things didn't include a convenient timer. She continues to watch, to learn, to grow. She likes it. The concept of pushing buttons on a little pad to make a character on screen react. She loves games. She loves learning. She loves having control over someone else's actions. To explore the world, even in a game, and see what amazing things there were to find. Hidden secrets to explore. She has a bright future in gaming, and it all started there with her treasured NES. 
Then there's an anguished, immature growl accompanied by a fit of sudden rage. Her older brother Millard has a temper tantrum because he couldn't get Mario to jump the pit either. Mimi watches as her older brother stands up. Instantly, he brings his clenched, prepubescent fist down on the Nintendo. Not a particularly strong hit coming from a scrawny kid, but it's enough to crack the delicate shell of the NES. The console caves in. The TV screen goes black. It was the first and last time that Mimi ever played that NES. End of memory. Huh. Well, that was a fun one. Let's turn that time dial again, huh? Forward. Focus on the brothers. There's gotta be some good memories, right? As we turn the dial on time, we get a few glimpses of more memories. Mimi's memories. Just flashes here and there. Young Mimi asks her older brother for a ride somewhere, because that brother just got their driver's license. Mimi, can you drive me into town? Please, I don't want to rollerblade all the way to John and Laura's. The brother, no. Another jump forward, another flash. Mimi approaches her brother again another time. Mimi, can I get my video camera back now? Her brother had borrowed another prized possession of Mimi's, her first video camera. The brother, I don't know where it is. I lost it. It's probably still at my friend's house. It wasn't. Mimi never saw that camera again. Another jump forward. Flash! Mimi's high school graduation ceremony. Mimi walks across the makeshift stage set up in her high school gymnasium. She spots her family in the crowd. Her mom, her dad, her sister. No sign of her brothers. Flash! Mimi's college graduation ceremony. Mom is there. Dad is there. Sister would have been there had she been able. No word on the brothers. They weren't there. Flash! The oldest brother is getting married now. Mimi wonders why she has to participate in this ceremony. As a groomsman, no less. A lot of other stuff happened that night. The night that Mimi met Abby. Flash! We get out of there! The brothers and Mimi grew up, side by side, yet separate. The boys struggled their way out of high school, graduated, struggled their way through some different colleges. There were some failures there, too. Some dropouts. But they eventually achieved at least a little chunk of academic success later on in their lives. Neither brother seemed academically focused, and Mimi understood that academia would not be her brother's strongest character traits, much like it was never hers either. It was while Mimi was away at college for the second time, out of state, that her brothers found themselves deeper in substance abuse and heavy, unhealthy, habit-forming addictions. Alcohol and nicotine was only the start of it. In 2008 or so, the eldest brother Millard found himself addicted to meth, and in a bad way with a few of the local losers in his small-town community. It's not a particularly pretty story, as most of these addiction and recovery stories go. And admittedly, Mimi was away at film school in Florida. She'd heard through the various gossip outlets within her family about the growing troubles her brothers presented. Interventions were staged, things were said, decisions were made. Both brothers were enrolled in a very prominent and expensive rehab program within the state. It took them a while, but both brothers recovered from their various addictions and beat the hold they once had over the men. Mimi was always proud of her brothers for accomplishing their own recoveries from substance abuse and addiction. The hardest of the hard drugs are not to be misjudged, and as Mimi would learn, absolutely anyone is capable of overdosing. It only takes one time. She would advise anyone listening to this to avoid taking your drug addiction to that final, dangerous level. Seek help instead. Seek treatment and a healthier way of life. Please, for your own good and for the good of your loved ones, even if you think you ain't got any, choose recovery. Make the right choices. So her brothers had turned their lives around and beat addiction. Lovely. They both found women willing to put up with them. Wonderful. Family men with kids? You bet. In the lottery of lives, these guys did pretty well. But what would they end up thinking about their new sister? What kind of men did they turn into through all their troubles? It's pretty anticlimactic to say that Mimi couldn't be sure, even now. The vague reality was that their opinions would have to develop on the matter, since transgender identities weren't previously something on either of their radars. They had much to learn. Just like Mimi did. Okay, they definitely needed to learn more than Mimi on that one. Now, Mimi would study their reactions, hear what they had to say about it, politely take any questions. But from now on, she would also be studying their every action as well. 
Reactions and actions, both equally important to developing characters. So, how about we take a look at their reactions now? How do we spin this little time dial to find those conversations? Uh, I think it goes like this. More than birthdays. Oh, crap. Interior, Mimi's house, living room. Mimi sits on her couch. She's just finished rearranging the furniture for the unknownth time. It still doesn't look good. She's taking a break from getting her butt kicked all over the place in Smash Brothers. Did I mention she's alone? Or was that just assumed? Wait, she's not alone. She's got pets. Two dogs that approximately 65% of the population might consider cute. That technically counts as company. So she wasn't totally alone on her birthday. That was yesterday, the day she sent out that email to every family member she has in which she came out as transgender. It was a whole big thing. Go listen to episode one. This was the day after. And Mimi sat on her couch stewing in stress, depression dripping down her neck, anxiety hitting her like a axe. I think that's an apt analogy. Anxiety and axes are apt analogies. All excellent examples of alliteration. <laughs> Mimi's so alone as she sits there on her couch, staring at her phone, wondering if she should move that chair one more time. It did look kind of better in the other corner. She stares at her phone some more, and it's open to the default messaging app. There's a group created with her closest family members. Not what she would call a fun group, but a necessary one. The last couple messages in the group are all messages of Happy birthday, bitch. We love you, bitch. Stay strong, bro. Reactions to the news of divorce that she'd shared with them. Mimi was now waiting to find out their reactions to her gender transition announcement. Just a normal Thursday, you know, drinking beer and being queer. <laughs> the reactions came. Maynard. Hey, bro. I hope you're feeling okay. This is a bit of a shock. I'm having a little trouble understanding this whole thing. I never saw it coming, even a little bit. But I feel like you need to be happy. And if you're totally 100% sure that this is what you need to do, then I will support you in your decision. Do I still call you bro? LOL. JK. I know you are serious. Thumbs up emoji. Mimi cries. This was okay. She responded. Mimi. Hey, hi, thanks. It's strange, but definitely not the strangest thing in the world. It's far more common than you would realize. Also, no, I don't have any interest in being your bro ever again. Mimi cries some more, and she began to respect and appreciate her brother Maynard on a whole new level, just in time for her to receive her other brother's reaction. Millard, wow, with eight exclamation points. I wasn't expecting that. I will always love you. I need some time to process, but know that I will always love you. I'm so sorry that you've been depressed for so long. I wish I would have known. Give me some time to process this and everything will be okay. It's hard for me, man. I'm crying. Mimi. Well, that's fine. Thanks a lot, bro. I'm just glad you don't think I'm a freak or a f or what have you. Millard, an uptight Christian type. Watch your language, wink emoji. I will be okay with it, I think. It just hurts right now. It honestly goes against my beliefs. But my love for you is greater than my thoughts and opinions. I will work on changing those ideas. It will be hard, but I will do it. I still can't believe this. What makes me the most sad is that you have felt this way for so long and said nothing. I get that. Mimi felt a stirring in her stomach. Not sure if it was because of the mixed reaction she was having to her brother's reaction, or if it was because she was currently on what the pros call an IFOMAD diet and had only water in her stomach. She had to tell her brother something important, it seemed. She responded, Mimi, brother, I've been through some uncomfortable situations throughout my life and experienced a lot of troubling things. You know we had a weird childhood, but there's a lot of stuff that's happened to me that you didn't know about. And through it all, I've decided this is how I will be happy at last. This is how I will retake my will to live. That's all. Next, more than mentors. What are parents but 
Hey, everybody, it's me, the Ad Dad. This show is depressing as hell. So I'm here to tell you about Anchor.fm. Let me explain. If you haven't heard about Anchor.fm, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And best of all, it's totally free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer. Or your phone. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you. So you can be on iTunes, Spotify, all of the coolest sites. And guess what else? You can even make money off of your podcast. With Anchor.fm, it couldn't be easier to make a podcast. Take it from me. So what are you waiting for? You don't want to make this ad dad a sad dad. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now, back to the show. Teachers, nurturers, mentors, guardians, the guiding light of humanity in principle and practice. It's a parent's duty to enrich their child's life at every step, every phase of life, enhance their opportunities, and maximize their happiness, to absorb their pain, to be their everything, for always and forever, to fill their little heads with the best thoughts, to provide challenges and responsibilities, to teach, to love, to inspire. And sometimes they may be less than all of that. Understand that everyone's parents are different from yours, and yet they're all the same. Boring. Mimi figured hers were pretty boring anyway. An affluent hippie meets a conservative lawyer. They make four children together. One of those babies would later be known as Mimi. The sum of the environment that these two people created. So how about we tune into another one of Mimi's memories, eh? See what that was like for her growing up. The father, the pragmatic provider, the mother, the neutral naturalist. What did they teach their future daughter? Let's watch as we tune back into Mimi's childhood. Let's kick this memory machine into overdrive. Buckle up, dialing in. Beep, beep, boop, 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 boop. Interior, Mimi's childhood bedroom. Young Mimi sits on the carpeted floor. A giant puddle of Legos spilled before her. An overturned clear plastic storage tub acting as a pretend cave. She builds and plays, fun is had. Suddenly, like six dogs start barking all around and outside the home. This is the signal that Dad's home. Mimi is vaguely aware of the day. Because today is Friday, and Mimi knows what always comes on Fridays. Mimi exits her bedroom in an excited dash. Flash! Interior. Child at home. Living room. Mimi sits on her dad's lap. They cuddle while she tells him about the things she learned that day in kindergarten. It being Friday, Mimi knows what to ask for when it's her turn. Young Mimi. Can I have my surprise now? Young Daddy laughs. He reaches behind the sofa chair and pulls out a toy. He hands this toy to Mimi. It's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figure. A minor character from the show, Ace Duck. Mimi smiles. Mimi, you already got me this one. Young Daddy smiles sheepishly. Young Daddy, did I know? Whoopsies. Young Mimi runs back to her room. She peels the Ace Duck figure from the package and sets it in a giant toy box among dozens of similar action figures. She smiles. Flash! Exterior, a forest. Mimi is running down a shoddy forest pathway made many years prior by her grandfather. She runs barefoot through the loose dirt, grass, and pine needles. Acre after acre, she slows to catch her breath as her destination comes into view. Flash! Exterior, treetops. Mimi climbs the stairs up to the treetops. Three flights of steps, narrow enough for one. Three stories up to the treehouse. It has a wraparound balcony, a door, windows and the best view of Lake Francis that anyone ever had. Flash! Exterior, Lake Francis. Young Mimi wades waist-high into the water. She's a naked little boy, but that doesn't matter to a five-year-old. Also, several raccoons are following her up and down the beach. She stops to pet one before returning to the lake. From the beach house, she can hear her mom calling out to the coonies to come eat. Flash! Interior, nighttime, dad's car. Mimi is in the back seat of her dad's car. The car is in the ditch. It shouldn't be there, Mimi thinks. Her brothers are there in the car, too. Everyone was buckled up. There was probably a cartoon character to thank for that piece of advice. Mimi was thinking about cartoon characters, so she didn't notice her dad stumbling around outside the vehicle or the open bottle of alcohol. She didn't even know what alcohol was. Flash! Exterior. Summer cabin. Young Mimi follows her brothers outside one night, follows them down by the lakeside, 
No grown-ups present. There, the two brothers and a couple of cousins reveal what they'd scored earlier. A beer and some cigars. Mimi spends the evening watching the strange effects these items have on her family. Flash! Exterior! A forest. Mimi watches as her brothers all get on their bicycles. Watches her mom strap her baby sister into a child's bike seat and take up her wheels. Dad was there. A nice family bike ride just down the road a mile, just to the mailbox. Mimi can't ride a bike with everyone else yet. Mimi is too scared to try. Mimi prefers to run alongside her family instead. They tried strapping her into one of those kids' seats once, but Mimi panicked and cried until they let her out. She doesn't like not being in control. Flash! Interior! Childhood home! Kitchen! The parents are together. They stand before their children. Mimi sits on the kitchen counter. Parents, we're getting a divorce. Kids, all cry. Mimi, does this mean we're getting another house? Flash! Interior! Elementary school hallway. Young Mimi is in the second grade. She's walking in line with her class, about 20 other small children. It's Mimi's turn to be the line leader, a responsibility she takes gravely serious. The teacher stops. Mimi takes a second to reach down and adjust the Velcro strap on her Nike Space Jam shoes. Young Mimi's teacher, how was your weekend, Mimi? Did you do anything fun? Young Mimi, my parents got divorced. Flash, interior, Mimi's childhood bedroom. Mimi is concentrating immensely on her Sega Genesis. She needs to get Sonic to the end of the level. Robotnik has imprisoned the animals, and Mimi doesn't like that. Mimi's mom enters. Mimi's mommy, can I join you? Mimi hands her mommy the Sega controller. Her mom stares at the TV screen. She's completely unaware that the buttons on the controller will make the blue hedgehog she's staring so fervently at do something. But she tries. Flash! Someone else's house. Mimi enters her father's friend's home. She'd been there many times before to play with the daughters of her father's friend. They all grew up close together, almost like a family. Young Mimi climbs the stairs up to the second-level bedrooms. She enters the girls' room. Pink walls, clothing scattered everywhere. It was shared by three young girls, after all. A large rectangle sits on one of the beds, folded in half. A suitcase. Mimi's dad is picking articles of clothing, his clothing, and hanging them in the girls' closet. Moving in, Mimi approaches her dad. Young Mimi, are you going to be here long? I'm going to go use the pool. Flash! Interior. Grandpa's house basement. Mimi and her brothers enter the grand entertainment room. It's a wide open, carpeted space meant for entertaining large gatherings of family and friends. It was primarily where Mimi spent the holidays with her grandpa, her mom's dad, that whole side of the family. It was the room she'd first met Santa Claus in. This year, Mimi is excited about something her grandpa is setting up. On a weathered old folding table sits a big gray box. The front side is black. It looks like a TV screen. Under that box sits another big box. This one is more rectangular. And in front of that box is another thin rectangle. Mimi can see the alphabet and numbers on it and a bunch of other symbols that she's ultra-curious about. And there's another surprise. Grandpa says it came with a mouse. Mimi is so excited to hold the mouse... But she's confused. Why are they calling this box the apple? Flash! Exterior, like Francis Beach House. Young Mimi and her family are enjoying a day at the lake. Sun is shining, blue skies. And from those blue skies comes a buzzing sound. A rumble that was heard but not felt. The roar of an engine. A bright white airplane. A Cessna. Flies overhead. Low. Extremely low. I'm talking stunt pilots scraping the tips of the treetops low. Her grandpa, the show-off. He had a specific aerial maneuver that he liked to perform in his planes. He did it all the time as he circled Lake Francis multiple times to align into the best formation for landing on the lake. It was a float plane, you see. Mimi's family loved to gather around and watch as Grandpa Buzz flew overhead, cutting his plane engine and therefore the propeller mid-flight. He's able to quickly fire it back up with no interruptions to the plane's ability to stay aloft in the sky. The resulting sound produced was like the roar of a lion inside of a bathroom stall. To the young Mimi, who happened to be in the developing stages of misophonia, it cut like a dagger and sent her fleeing for a quiet, private space. Misophonia, by the way, is a disorder characterized by decreased tolerance to specific sounds or their associated stimuli, anxiety-inducing, and it can make people act very funny sometimes. Mimi's family all thought it was funny. Flash! Interior. Mimi's childhood home. Living room. 
Everything is calm. Everything is peaceful. Mimi is watching Dragon Ball Z on the TV. The telephone rings. Mimi's mom answers it. Everything at once erupts. Mimi's mom is on the floor, crying, screaming, pleading for it to not be true. Flesh, interior, a funeral. Mimi is dressed in her best big boy suit. She's one in a crowd of hundreds gathered to pay their respects to Mimi's grandpa. The funeral is held in an enormous airplane hangar, a museum surrounded by antique vehicles and, of course, airplanes. Mimi chats with the elderly gentleman she sat next to. He, too, is wearing his best big boy suit. He gives her a shiny new copy of the book that he says he wrote. He signs the inside cover and writes a little message of thanks. He disappears after that. This was the man, apparently, that invented the snowmobile. Neat, Mimi thinks, holding in her hands his story. Something sparks inside of her. She doesn't know what it is yet. Flash! Exterior. Barnes & Noble bookstore. Young Mimi hops out of her dad's car in a hurry to get inside and see what's in the latest issue of Nintendo Power Magazine and Electronic Gaming Monthly. Everyone's talking about the newest system. Something about 64 bits or something? Mimi's not sure what that means, but she's excited for it. Flash! Interior. A book fair. Young Mimi enters the elementary school gymnasium where the Scholastic Book Fair is set up. She paces the few open metal boxes containing shelves of books for young readers. On one of the shelves, she sees an image that catches her eye. A book cover. There's a young boy turning into a gorilla. Morphing, if you will. Mimi picks it up. She wonders, what's a anamorph? Flash! Interior. Middle school classroom. Young Mimi sits at her third grade desk. Her teacher is talking about math again. But Mimi has her desk partially ajar. Barely noticeable. But when her teacher isn't paying attention to her, her eyes are trained through the small crack in the desk opening. An open book is just inside. In small bursts of words and paragraphs, she's absorbing an R.L. Stein book. The cuckoo clock of doom. Mimi's addicted. She's becoming obsessed with reading. Flash! Interior. Dad's new house. Mimi got off the school bus and ran down the short gravel road to her dad's house. It was the last day of school, and Mimi had something special to remember it by. For on that last day of fifth grade, Mimi was given something precious. In her hands, she delicately cradled a plastic bag full of water. Inside the water inside the bag were three small goldfish, part of a class science project that last week of school, with the promise and possibility to bring the project home at the end of it. Mimi goes inside, gives the fish to her dad. They'd kept fish before and still retained a small aquarium tank. Her dad preps and fills that tank while Mimi drains the bag water with the fish into a small separate container. Her pouring skills aren't so great, and a misplaced spill over the kitchen sink reduces her count from three fish to two. Those two goldfish lived in that tank for the next 16 years. Mimi's dad continued to care for them, even after she'd left for college. Flash! Interior! A university lecture hall. Mimi and her mom are at a very special event. They enter the university auditorium in a nearby city college. Mimi has been invited to take part in a youth academic program for future leaders. She's here to learn about becoming a student ambassador. Her mom turns to her after the presentation. Mimi's mom. I think you should go. Flash. Exterior. The Australian Outback. Young Mimi hikes across the Australian brush amongst a group of 20 or so of her peers learns about nature, experiences wildlife she could only see in zoos and museums at home, spends a month among their culture. She pets kangaroos. She hugs koalas. She snorkels above the Great Barrier Reef. She eats a burger made out of bat meat. She tries Vegemite. She spends time on a ranch learning how to crack a bullwhip. She makes friends and feels feelings. She has many wonderful and irreplaceable experiences. Flash! Interior! Mimi's bedroom loft. It's midnight. Mimi is sitting at her computer station set up next to her bed. She had the 56K dialed up to the internet and was chatting on MSN Messenger, Yahoo Chat, and AOL Instant Messenger. As she types and clicks back and forth between web crawler windows and spending time with her Neopets, she hears the sliding glass patio door open and close below. Her older brothers, returning home from a night of sneaking out without the knowledge of their parents, Mimi ignored them as they came and went on those nights. Where they went and what they did were of little interest to her. On this particular night, Mimi goes downstairs to see what they're up to. In the kitchen, she finds her oldest brother, Millard, standing over the kitchen sink. 
The same sink Mimi had once accidentally spilled a live goldfish down. Millard is pouring a dark liquid out of a large bottle. Young Mimi, isn't that Dad's? Millard continues to pour the alcohol out, leaving only a small amount at the bottom for coloring, then fills the bottle with water. He takes the bottle and puts it back where it belonged, in the far back bottom corner of the pantry, back where their father had stashed it. Flash! Exterior! Mimi's childhood home. Backyard. Mimi stands before a small gathering of family, stands with her siblings, stands there watching her mom marrying some new guy. Mimi's mom. I love you. Flash! Exterior. Childhood home. Driveway. Mimi stands watching. That guy drives away for the last time. Mimi's mom. I hate you. Flash. Interior. Home. It's Mimi's 12th birthday. She receives a new computer. Suddenly, it's Mimi's 13th birthday. She receives a new video camera. Suddenly, it's Mimi's 14th birthday. She receives a new skateboard. Suddenly, it's Mimi's 15th birthday. She receives a bass guitar. Suddenly, it's Mimi's 16th birthday. She receives her first cell phone. Suddenly, it's Mimi's 17th birthday. She receives a hand-me-down car. Suddenly, it's Mimi's 18th birthday. She receives anxiety over her future. Flash! Interior. Childhood bedroom. Mimi's mom calls her sister and her into their bedroom for a small chat. Her mom sits the two kids down on the bed and delivers some unpleasant news. Mimi's mom. The doctors say I have cancer. Colon cancer. I'm going in for surgery to remove it. Hopefully, I'll survive. The kids cry. Mom gets the surgery, changing her life forever. But she survives it. Flash! Location unknown. Time unknown. Mimi receives a text message. She learns her father has sinus cancer. It's dangerously close to his brain. He requires immediate operation and intensive chemotherapy. His odds of survival are very low. But he survives. He beats his cancer. He overcomes his alcohol addiction. He changes. Flash! We've reached the end of Mimi's memories for this segment. Her parents were there still in her life. In the background, they'd given her everything she needed to make her life a good one. But as far as parenting the adult Mimi, they took a hands-off approach, letting her grow into adulthood on her own with minimal involvement. Sometimes Mimi felt like her parents really didn't care for her as much as they did their other children. Who knows if that was true? or if they simply believed in her so much that they didn't think they needed to be more involved. Mimi often wished that she'd had a closer relationship with her parents. Now, she'd do everything she could to ensure that her own children didn't grow up feeling the same way. She would be an exceptional and constant mentor to her kids. Last, more than a name, we're tuning back to 2020, the pandemic summer. Horrible time to be alive. Great band name. It's a toasty time in Minnesota, as Mimi and her ex-spouse, Abby, finalize their mediation sessions to go before a judge to complete their divorce. Mimi has had a few consultations with lawyers, and although she felt it wasn't necessary to retain any of them and thus drag lawyers into their separation, she listened to their advice and ensured she was getting the best deal she could to still see her kids as much as possible. And she knew that what she was settling for wasn't enough. They're going over the details one last time, and the mediator brings up how this is an opportunity for Mimi to get her name changed legally, here and now, hassle-free. But Mimi hasn't settled on a new name yet. She's so indecisive. She could think about it for years and come up with no solid answer, probably. But instead of succumbing to her obsessive thinking tendencies, she does something different. Makes up her mind there and then. A name is just a name. Best not to put too much thought into it. So she takes her given name, Charles Olson, and she simply swaps it out for the new gender-appropriate alternative. She becomes Michelle Charlotte Olson. Same initials, even. It takes a lot of getting used to. No one calls her that yet. It's a scary new process, just introducing herself to others. She's so self-conscious that she doesn't look like a Michelle. Doesn't even look like a girl. Spending all her time in isolation and depression is giving Mimi severe social anxieties. She doesn't know how to interact with others anymore. She's lost her place in the world. She's sure that the changes are coming. 
and that they will make her life better. But there's just so much uncertainty now, it's hard to see that brighter future. But she continues to chase it. Because really, what else can she do? Take the coward's way out and end her life? Ha! Impossible. Mimi lived in the future. And as far as she could see, there was no future in which she was not around to raise her children. To grow into the person she'd always wanted to be. To be better. To be more than what she was. But she was getting nowhere by herself. She needed to find her community. She had no queer friends. No trans friends. No gay friends. She had no one in her life that was like her. No one to help her. She didn't think she'd find anyone like that in her little town. So what else could she do but look online? So she took to Instagram. There was already an enormous trans community in place there. So many beautiful, inspiring people posting all sorts of gender-affirming trans-positive content. It was there she found her inspiration in those dark days. Joining Instagram was like being the new kid in school. At first, no one knew who she was or what she was like. But, determined to make friends, Mimi did what any new kid would do. Stopped lurking silently in the background. Made a proper profile so she was finally visible and jumped in. Started to document her transition. Started following others that she liked. Started reaching out more by commenting on others' photos. Started making friends. She noticed quickly that most girls in the online trans community had given themselves fun and unique online handles, almost like catchy slogans. They often reminded her of band names. It was around this time that she really became a Mimi, a nickname that felt wonderfully right to her, Mimi. It's just the word me twice, fitting since Mimi felt that she had to be herself twice to finally fit in. But, since an online name can't be quite so simple, she brainstormed. Miraculous Mimi? Marvelous Mimi? Trans Queen Mimi? Thinking of a title for herself was difficult. Nothing she came up with felt like it really encompassed her new identity. There was so much she could say about herself. She felt that whatever she came up with, it would have to be more than just her name. More than Mimi. Oh. Hey. Next time on More Than Mimi. Mimi is changing, and so are her relationships. Hear how things change with her family. Hear how her friendships change. Hear how she starts to form new relationships. And hear how others die. All that and more next time on More Than Mimi Episode 3, More Than Relationships. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you'll come back for more. I'm more than happy to fill you all in. And if you want to help support me in making more of these, please check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash more than Mimi. Until next time.